0: Dr. Hormoz Shariot regularly shares Christ with the people of Iran and disciples those who are new to the faith. You could call them baby Christians. So you might think that Pastor Hormoz would support regime change in Iran. You might guess that he's praying for an end to the Islamic government that's persecuting Christian believers.
1: I'm not full praying for that. Because this suffering has brought many to Christ. And if the government changes today, the Christianity will be weakened, not strengthened, because all these babies will be distracted into the political arena. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the Apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in the studio today with Dr. Hormoz Shariat. He is the founder and the president of Iran Alive Ministries. He is broadcasting by satellite television every single day into the nation of Iran. Dr. Hormoz, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: It's always good to be here and share what the Lord is doing. The Lord
0: is doing amazing things in Iran, uh, and we're going to hear a little bit about that. But let's talk first about persecution, because persecution in Iran is a little different than what we see in some of the other countries, even some of the Islamic countries. How is it different?
1: Well, in most Islamic countries, when somebody comes to Christ, uh, he or she is usually persecuted by the friends and family members, neighbors. I hear many stories like in Egypt. Uh, somebody comes to Christ, if not the family, Gradually, the whole neighborhood finds out he or she is a Christian and they form some movements, gather together, how, what we're going to take care of him or her. And many times, the person has to flee for their lives, but not in Iran. In Iran, the people of Iran have a very positive perspective on Christianity. So, when somebody comes to Christ, uh, usually the friends and family members come to Christ. So, what is different is that in Iran, the persecution is mainly by the government not by people.
0: I'm very interested to hear you say the the average person in Iran has a favorable view of Christianity. And I want to remind people that the official name of the country is the Islamic Republic of Iran, but why does the average person on the street think
1: favorably about Christianity? Well, it took uh, 40 years. They really (laughs) experienced the true Islam in action. Uh, Iran is the only country in the world that has been led by clergy and that for 40 years so they did implement islam for a while the iranians were saying oh no there's nothing wrong with islam it's just the government is implementing wrong but the last 10-15 years they've come to conclusion no it's not the government there's something fundamentally wrong with islam itself and our problem is islam islam is not the solution is our problem and we have to get rid of it at the same time as islam Is being discredited in Iran. Christianity is being more and more respected. And I uh, talk to Muslims, you know, as a broadcaster, daily we, we are in touch with both Muslims and Christians. And I see many, many Muslims think very positive about Christian faith and respect it than Islamic faith. Whenever they talk about Islam, these are Muslims. Their speech is very negative about Islam, critical of Islam, not just the Islamic uh, religious leaders. They've passed that point of attacking the leaders. Now they're attacking Islam itself. Very negative things about Muhammad, about Quran, about Islam itself. But you switch the subject to Christianity, suddenly they become very positive about Christ, about what Christ teaches, Christians, what they do, what they think. only thing is... uh, There are two things. One, many of them think, I was born a Muslim, I have to die a Muslim. They don't see it as an option. And number two, which is greater uh, deterrence for them to come to Christ, is fear. They're afraid of government. They're afraid. They know if they become a Christian, they may have to pay a price. So many of them don't make that decision. They love Jesus, but they don't make a decision. And some of them do make that decision, but keep it to themselves because of fear.
0: So let's go back to, we were talking about persecution. Persecution is not from your family members or your neighbors. It's from the government. If the average man on the street says Christianity is actually a a pretty nice thing, why is the government so concerned about it that they would actively come against the church and come against Christians?
1: I know the name of the government is Islamic government of Iran, but (laughs) uh, that might be a misnomer because— even many people in the government, they don't really believe in Islam such that they would give their lives or they would persecute others uh, because of that. So. The motivation of the persecution in Iran is not religious. It's not that the government officials say, oh, Islam is going down. We have to bring them back, uh, Christians back to Islamic faith. Islam is becoming weak. That's not their motivation. Their motivation is the more people become Christian, we're losing power because the base of their power is Islam in the hearts of people. And they've already lost that. In the 80s, people believed in Islam so much that they were ready to die for Islam. And many of them did, not anymore. And they know they have lost the hearts of the people. And when you lose the hearts of the people, you turn into violence to keep your control. So not just against uh, Christians, there is violence against all people who may oppose them. But with, with Christians, it's different. They know Christianity is growing. They persecute out of fear. They are afraid of Christian faith. Let me share you this story. There was a young lady with a young child and husband came to Christ when I was a pastor in California. And I didn't know her dad was a high court judge in Iran. Mm -hmm. And he came to visit her. And we shared the gospel. And he was open. And after second, third visit, he came to Christ. And he was still uh, serving in a uh, high court in Iran. And when he came back, I said, tell me, what does the government of Iran think about our broadcast, about Iran alive? He said a couple of things. He said, they don't know what to do with you because you're not attacking them. You pray for them on the air. Uh You love (laughs) it. You're not rude. You you don't bash Islam or the government. Uh, They don't know what to do with you. And second, he said, they're afraid of you. I said, what? Why are they afraid of me? He said, they're not afraid of you for now. They know there are many coming to Christ and their heart is connected to Christ and to you. They are afraid that someday, if you decide you become a political figure, you will have a great following. So they are opposing you now because they're afraid of Christianity and they're afraid of you. And another thing he said, which is funny, he said, you know, your soft message of, Christ's love is destroying the base of their power. Wow. And he used this phrase in Iran. It, it, the, in Iran, it says, you're killing them with a cotton blade. Uh, maybe in English, would be killing them softly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you're so kind and soft, but you're killing them. So that's, that's the message of Christ. Full love is, overcomes the hatred and violence in Islam. You know, light always overcomes the darkness, and that's what's happening in Iran. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with
0: Dr. Hormoz Shariat. He is the founder and president of Iran Alive Ministries. They are one of our partners reaching into Iran with satellite television. It's interesting to me, Hormoz, that you say they're worried about you becoming a political movement. They used Islam to come to power politically, and now they're worried that Dr. Hormoz is going to run for president, and so many people like him and see him on television, they'll lose political power. They don't understand religion as a relationship with Christ
1: instead of some kind of a political movement. That's right. Um, You should understand that in Islam, faith, religion, and politics are the same. So (laughs) they think it's the same with Christianity. I don't know if they're saying it or they really believe it, but when they arrest Christians, one of the things they say that, that you have political agenda, either you, um, CIA is behind you, uh, financing you, or maybe Israel financing you. Uh, sometimes, it, sometimes it's just uh, uh, a case uh, against them, just, just to say, to, just to persecute them, an excuse to persecute them. But in their mindset, anything coming from the West, a Christian must have a political component behind it because that's what it is in Islam. Interesting. And I know one of the things,
0: it's been several years since they closed the last Farsi-speaking, what you call building churches, open, above-ground churches. But now it's not just Farsi
1: churches that are being closed? No, they just started just a few days ago. They closed an Assyrian church. Uh, It's a historical 100 years old church and they're afraid, and they were not even evangelizing and speaking Farsi. They're not allowed to speak Farsi. Assyrians and Armenians, they're minorities in Iran, minority Christians, they're allowed to gather, but they cannot evangelize Muslims. They cannot allow Muslims to step in. If if they allow a Muslim to come in, even though he... He or she would not understand, but coming into church they're in trouble. And of course they cannot go out and talk about Christ uh, to any, anyone, any Muslim. So closing it, I think that's a sign of another fear and weakness. They're saying desperation "Mm, almost. Exactly.
0: Yes. Wow. Interesting. Dr. Hormoz, even even with churches being closed, the church is still growing. You you hear these stories every day. Tell us some of the stories of the people in Iran that are saying,
1: I don't want to be a Muslim anymore. I want to follow Jesus. Christianity is very attractive to people of Iran. Many are coming to Christ. The challenge right now is not evangelism. The challenge right now is how do you disciple and help these Christians grow to become fruitful and strong in their faith? so people come uh, and they 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 come to Christ because they love Jesus they love uh, the message of the gospel and it, their personal life has been changed and if we don't help them they stand at that level i call it the baby level uh, there are many many christians in iran but they're babies they're babies and you can't blame them. There is no church. There is no teaching classes and resources. There are prisoners in their homes. They're just surviving with something on media. They're receiving that. And and they need more. This is a dangerous thing. This is a prayer request, actually. The church in Iran is growing fast, but they're all babies. And the fathers of the faith have left Iran, have been forced to leave Iran. And because Iran, uh, Iranian Christians... The population is growing fast there is not many mature believers so think of this you know nursery full of babies <laughs> and you know the characteristics of babies babies are needy they cannot produce they cannot accept any responsibility they just consumers they need attention and that's the story of so many believers in Iran they they can't they're not at the point of really um being a witness they're just trying to survive and i love voice of the martyrs this is one thing i love about the voice of the martyrs they're not helping the persecuted christians just to survive but thrive because that's what's happening in Iran. so when you help them to thrive they they will be a force another so So, uh,
0: let me break in though and ask how do you do that
1: because how do you take
0: someone who is a baby christian There's not a church down the street that they can go to and get involved and be discipled. There's not a Christian bookstore that they can go to and get some resources to help them. So how do you, from outside the country, how do you raise up that person into a more mature believer?
1: Very good question. I found that uh, we have done that through uh, house churches, through online classes. But one thing the last few years I found We need to redefine Christianity for these people. They come to Christ, and they have a limited understanding of who Christ is. Christ died for me. The message of love is very attractive. God the Father is very attractive. So they come to Christ uh, through those notions, through those concepts, and they love it. But they have not been taught the second part of it, that As he died for you, he wants you to live for him. So I'm starting to new wave of uh, uh, television programs and online classes and teachings that go and build the basics. The basics is that when we come to Christ, we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to him. We have to live for him. So uh, number one is a new series of teaching on on television to redefine the foundation of Christianity. Number two, uh, new types of classes. We've always had online classes, but these are new, building the foundation of faith for Muslim background believers. Uh, Discipleship courses mostly have been translated from the West. And they're good, but they do not address the weakness and cultural issues of the Muslim background believers. So I'm focusing on that. And here are the babies, babies are needy, babies are distracted very easily, very dangerous. You know, you make sound with your, with your key and they're attracted to where is the sound is. So that's very dangerous in Iran. If, if For example, the uh, government changes, unfortunately, if the government changes today, the Christianity will be weakened, not strengthened, because all these babies will be distracted into the political arena. They will not continue strongly with Christ. And number three, babies are very easily deceived, you know, distracted, but also deceived. And there is so much deception going on in Iran. Cults are having a day in Iran. Again, it's you and I. We need to bring great teaching uh, and uh, talk about the foundation of faith so strong and the knowledge of the Bible against the cults. Cults are doing great in Iran, unfortunately, and those are prayer requests. And, and it's in some ways, it's because of the same reasons
0: that the church is growing. The people there have rejected Islam. They're hungry for something else, and so if all they have access to is a cult, that yes, looks very attractive.
1: That's right. Uh, anything named Christianity is attractive to them, but again, as babies, they have no discernment. Right. No discernment. Uh, just a couple of years ago, there was a big conference in Turkey, I heard about, two, 3,000 Iranians were gathered for this quote-unquote "Christian conference." And you know who put it on? Jehovah Witnesses." Oh my People gathered because all they said, this is a Christian right. conference. And people are attracted to Christianity. Interested in Christianity, so let's go. Yeah. We're talking today on
0: Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dr. Hormoz Shariat. He is the founder and president of Iran Alive Ministries. Dr. Hormoz, one of the things that happens within the church then when there is growth and when someone rises to a leadership position, they become a target. How many are in jail right now? What What's the situation as far as when, when a Christian is arrested, what do they expect to happen?
1: Well, first of all, the fathers of the faith, those who are 30, 40 years old in the Lord, they were church leaders. They all have left are forced to leave Iran. So uh, those who are in jail right now, these are ha- house church leaders who uh, grew to have multiple churches. So... Because the government is so afraid of Christians gathering, they are really focusing on house church. They want to destroy house churches. They have already destroyed above-the-ground building Mm -hmm. churches and easy to destroy. Just close it down. But the house church is harder. So when they arrest a Christian, if they can prove that I'm not a part of a house church, they're pretty much safe for the most part which is maybe a couple, two, three days a week in jail, and then they sign something, okay, I will not evangelize, I will not attend any church. But if they sense that this person is a part of a network, they're in trouble. They will be tortured. And the purpose of torture to get names, the names they want to destroy these underground church networks. And those who are in jail right now, 400, they have been house church leaders Another strategy, they put long jail sentences on these people, and they publicize it. Again, that's the part of the strategy of fear intimidation. They publicize. Here, this guy had one house church gathered in his house 10 years, 12 years, just because he gathered. So the rest of you, watch watch out. out. If you just gather, you may get 12 years.
0: So if he was leading four or five of those churches, it might be 20 years. That's right. Uh, yes. So, And again, we talked about the fact that many of the Christians are baby Christians. How do you help them get to the point of not being intimidated by the thought of going to prison for 12 years for gathering with other believers?
1: Well, you we have to be wise. One thing is there is no law against love. We teach him to just start loving, and that's the greatest force. Uh, people think of Christian witness, oh, God, street, pass on tracks, and witness to anybody there. That's very dangerous and unproductive. I, I don't say stop it, but there are better ways, too. And the better way is to start loving people. Uh, I remember this house church leader. Her network was growing fast. I was saying, hey, lady, you know, you're doing really well. (laughs) What do you do? And this is what she said. She said, every morning I get up and I have my own problems, you know, family, finances, danger. And I don't feel really good spiritually, but I have devotions. I pray. I read my Bible. I pray. I, I give my burdens to the Lord. And I say, God, fill me with the spirit of love and joy. Just fill me. And I feel spirit upon me then I go out on the streets and start loving people and smiling at people and every day I lead people to Christ people come up to me and say hey why are you so happy have you won the lottery or something you know and I tell them this is and I love you so uh, in a dark place like Iran um, just loving other people so on, on television and in our classes we are teaching them number one be a witness. Be a light in the darkness. And people will come to Christ if you're so different. And it's not that hard in Iran. There's so much suffering, hopelessness, depression, um, unloving attitudes towards each other. If, if a Christian just smiles and be loving, stands out. And that's number one, what we are teaching them. And we teach them once they come, this is how you share the gospel with them.
0: How does it affect you as, as a pastor when one of the people that you're discipling, one of your representatives on the ground there gets arrested? How, how do
1: you wrestle through that? It's hard for me, but I, I've gone through enough instances to know God's grace is sufficient. Many of them come out of jail and say um they say jesus was with us i mean i shared this story this is this is an amazing uh, story i um happened uh, there was this young man calling our station and several times a day insisted that he wants to talk to me and i was saying why why is he wants to talk to me? And they were saying, he insists, he insists. <laughs> and I said, ask him next time, tell me, give me more information. And they said, well, he says when he came to Christ when he was 19, he's 26 now. When he was 19, he came to Christ through satellite television. Never contacted us, but watched us. Learned to evangelize from us. Learned to plant churches, and he did. He evangelized his friends and family members, planted churches. By the age of 22, he had four or five house churches, and then he was arrested. And he has been in jail about five years now, and he has been tortured. Now they released him for just one week. He has six more months to go. They released him for one week to um, get medical attention. And he insists to talk to you. I said, okay, I want to talk to him. Next day, uh, he calls. And I never forget that day. I was walking. I was saying, "Why? what am I going to talk to him about? What is he going to ask me? Let me prepare myself. He probably was going to ask me, if God is God and I was serving him, why did he allow me to be arrested? And if God is God and powerful, why did he allow me to be tortured? Where was God when I was being tortured? And by the way, Pastor Hormos, where were you when I was being tortured? you on television. You're relatively safe, and you tell me, tell us, go out, evangelize, start churches. So I was preparing myself for that type of questions. And I pick up the phone, and this sweet voice says, I insisted to talk to you so I can encourage you. Wow. You are doing the right thing. Never give up. God is with us. He said, don't worry about us. When we get arrested, uh, Jesus does not leave us. And he said, that he used the word honor. He said, I had the honor of being tortured for Christ. He used that word. And then he said, do you remember Psalm 23? I said, yes. He said, you have set a table before my enemies? Yes. He said, I had the honor of experiencing that verse in the torture chamber. My tortures were there, but my sweet Jesus was there. So, The first time somebody got arrested, all of us, me and all of our leaders were so tense and afraid, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Now, we are careful, but we know Jesus is with them. And people who go to jail and come out, they become such a soldier for Christ. Sometimes I think I should put that as a part of our leadership training. <laughs> you have to do jail services. <laughs> <And> <laughs> uh, you might have less sign-ups <laughs> for your program. Uh,
0: are there some things that, uh, that affect how the prisoners are treated? And I'm thinking particularly for our listeners, as we think about Obviously, we want to pray for those who are in prison, but are there some things that that
1: change what the government does to someone once they've arrested them? Yes, and this is what VOM does. In addition to helping these families, those in jail, sometimes even uh, getting a lawyer or things like that, but what I've found over the years, people who have been in jail, they are released, they say, letter writing and publicity really helped us. Uh, Some of them said that we were being treated really badly until the letters started coming in, until our names were in the uh, media. Then they let go. And even they changed our place to a better place, better food, less torture. So in addition to prayer and supporting their families, letter writing is very effective and publicity.
0: And I encourage people, Voice of the Martyrs, set up a website, prisoneralert.com. That's the whole focus of that website is for you to go and write letters to Christians who are in prison. Let me ask, and I don't want to get too political, but but how would you advise the American government to respond or interact with Iran on the issue of religious freedom? I, I don't, you know, there's lots of saber rattling right now that's going on, but but how does our government and As listeners, we can call our our government representatives and encourage them. How would you advise them to encourage Iran
1: to provide more freedom? Well, bringing that issue on the table, just that by itself is very effective. When you ignore it. They think it's not important. Just saying this is important to us. And next they would tie it with maybe the sanctions or other things. Uh, There is a bill just uh, being passed about uh, just stopping three judges they identify three judges in iran who put christians in long term jail services uh, jail terms so they they put their names and they give a warning to the government of iran these three are not allowed to come to us and uh, that sounds like a small thing, just three judges, but it sends a big message. Wow! So things like that, oh, yeah, it, it, that's, we know and it, we care for it. We care about it. So mm-hmm. things like that, publicity, or even small laws against persecution that we can do will go a long way. That is great advice.
0: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dr. Hormoz Shariot. He is the founder and the president of Iran Alive Ministries. Let's talk about Iran Alive. Are there some things that you're doing differently? We talked about the need to disciple and raise up strong Christians. Are there some new things that
1: Iran Alive is doing to meet that need? Yes, I'm very excited. Over the years, Voice of the Martyrs has supported us in training leaders. We have a good-sized underground church network, and I've learned a lot through training leaders, discipleship. Uh, as I said, there are some cultural issues we need to address. So what I'm excited is again we are doing the same training leaders, but in large scale and a better way. Because now I know how to do it better, how to make sure those. I call it cultural bondages. It's like chains. Like these leaders want to become leader, but is something holding them back, and and makes the churches Iranian churches weak because these even the leaders they're taking some things that are not from Christ into the church unknowingly mm-hmm. because it's so you know you, you you're you're blind to your own culture. Americans the same. Yep. If you live in the culture, you don't realize. In American churches, we don't realize that non-christian american culture is sipping into our churches we are unaware and it's weakening the church so the same is is with iran but looking at it we are we identify those issues so what's happening i'm so happy we did a we've started a 412 school call it 412 because it's based on Ephesians 412 equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and our goal is to equip tens and hundreds of thousands of uh, believers to be productive for the Lord, and maybe tens of thousands of leaders. They're not going to happen over the night. I'm not talking about tomorrow, but this is the next few years, 100, 200, 500 at a time.
0: How many, and I know this is a a question with a lot of different answers, but how many Christians do you think there are in Iran right now? It's so hard
1: to say. There's no survey, <laughs> and whenever I give a number— Todd, I I get in trouble. So So I'm asking you to get yourself (laughs) in trouble. You want me to get me in trouble. But I always say it's estimated. And I don't say I think. I I don't think. Uh, It's estimated one, two, three, maybe even more. And you know what's funny? Million. One to three million. One to three million. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is I, I usually give two million, kind of in the middle safe area. And when I give about two million Muslim background believers in Iran, of friends, brothers, sisters in the West said, Oh, Pastor Ormos, you're so exaggerating, you're <laughs> lying. They're not that many. They're not that many, you know. And at the same time, our leaders in Iran, they say, Pastormos, two million? Why are you downplaying what God is doing wow. in Iran? Why well, that's a, it's much bigger. They they say we can randomly run into Christians all the time. We take a taxi and the taxi driver start before we start sh- sharing the gospel with them. The taxi driver shares the gospel with us, and they tell me, ask any Iranian, do you have any Christian in your family? Almost all would say, yeah, my uncle, my cousin. In wow. every Iranian family, there are Christians. So don't say one million <laughs> or less. It just It's more than that. Yeah. So again, what an amazing thing to think about, though, in 40
0: years of the Islamic Republic, how much God has done, how many people he has reached. And I, and I want to hit again something we've talked about before, and, I, and I'll never forget a quote from you about satellite television. In Iran is bread, not ice cream. Uh, and you're making the point that, and we've talked about it, there's no Christian bookstores. There's no building churches for people to go to. Why is satellite television so important
1: to train up these believers and disciple them? That's the only way to get into those people's homes. When I talk about television, that I have a problem in the West. When I speak at churches uh, conferences, I say Christian television. I know most of them have a very negative view of Christian television. I have to change that. I'm not talking about the Western Christian television, which is kind of entertainment. Some good teachers, you know, and some uh, questionable practices and teaching. But I'm talking about the lifeline. There is nothing else. This hopelessness. And this is a source of life and hope. You talk about bread. I remember this story. This man called me on a live program and he was saying, uh, he said, you know, Pastor, I lost my job three months ago and I was desperate. I was praying, God, I, I, I can't even feed my family. Find me a job. Find me a job. You're suffering. And after a month or two, I just found a job just a few weeks ago. God, the Lord, the Lord found me a job. And then he asked me on there, do you know what I did with my first paycheck? I said, well, of course you fed your family. He said, no, I bought a satellite dish. I said, are you crazy? Why did you do that? And this is the statement he made. He said, because my family needs hope first, bread second. Amazing. Wow. As we finish up,
0: Dr. Hormos, we, we always like to equip our listeners to pray. Uh, so I'm going I'm to ask you some specific prayer things First I think of of the 400 prisoners, Christian prisoners in Iran right now. How can
1: we pray specifically for them today? For those in prison, pray for an encounter with God because when the Lord shows up, uh, things changes. They start loving those who are torturing them. I've heard I've heard stories. One of our leaders, you know him, he was in jail, and they were torturing him, and he was apologizing. I'm so sorry. You could have been with your family today, and you're here torturing me. I had to get up early to come here, and this is your day off. And so uh, it's it's his grace. Pray for them to be brave. That's why Paul asks uh, for courage. Pray that they will have courage, have an encounter with God, and they would live in such a way that even the Tortures will come to Christ because sometimes that has happened. Uh, the jail police, they they watch Christians in the in, in jail praying for them. They some some of them go to the prisoners and say, "Would you pray for me? You know, for my family." So pray for their courage, pray for encounter with God, and pray for their tortures, and uh, that they will come to Christ because that has happened. But with our prayer, the numbers will go up. And then the second thing I want to ask you, and we've talked
0: about the need for discipleship and growth, but how do we pray for the, the believers in Iran, the 2 million, maybe more, 3 million people who are following Christ, but often are very isolated from other believers and even from anything else? How do we pray for them? Uh,
1: against fear, because number one, Islam is a spirit of fear, and the government is using fear... Uh, unnecessary fear uh, i've I've seen Iranians outside Iran who are full of fear as if the government is next door uh, spying on them so bind the spirit of fear which is binding the spirit of Islam that would really um, make a big difference as a prayer target bind the spirit of fear for those number two pray for Ministries like us, we are reaching out to them, trying to equip them, connect them, mobilize them. And, and part of mobilization is to remove their fear and encouragement. So uh, those are prayer requests. Pray for us. We, we will do our part. Uh, sometimes I, I'm more concerned about us than them. They're ready. I say, these people are ready. Are we ready in the West? Are We Christians in the West are not ready. They are ready. They're ready to be equipped. They're ready to give their lives and live for for Jesus. But sometimes I feel we need more prayer for ourselves uh, to, number one, love them and be awake. God is doing something great. And most of us are half asleep. We don't realize God is at work. At least join him. Join him for what he's doing.
0: And then the last question that I want to ask about prayer is, is just for the country as a whole, for the government, for the country as a whole, how do we
1: pray for Iran right now? It's hard to say. You know, there's such a suffering in Iran economy, and it's easy to say God changed the government. So maybe a more fair government, a democratic government would come. But I'm, I'm not full praying for that <laughs> because this suffering has brought many to Christ. Uh-huh. And the government change right now, I don't think it's the right time. As I shared, there are babies in Christ. I, we, want, we want soldiers, we want men and women of God strong in faith before the government changes because uh, if the babies are there and the government changes, I talked about ba- babies being distracted. If the government of Iran changes today, Christianity will not be strengthened, will be weakened. We need to work now. So that that's the conclusion. We need to work now to build men and women of God now, leaders in Iran now, before the government falls. Amen. Yeah. Dr.
0: Hormoz, it is always such a joy to be with you and to hear what God is doing in Iran. Just amazing things. Thank you very much for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Before you go, how can our listeners connect with Iran Alive? Because we want to uh, encourage them to do so.
1: Well, the easiest way now with technology, get your cell phone and just uh, type the word Iran, I-R-A-N, to a number. So text me. Text (laughs) the word I-R-A-N. What the number is, 74784. It's like an airplane, 74784. Just text that. I send you some links. Some are testimony links and some donate a donate link and a link to sign up for our monthly newsletter. And I want to encourage you to do that. Text that word, Iran, and uh,
0: watch some of the videos that Hormoz and Iran Alive have produced. Hormoz, what a blessing to be with you. Thanks for being our guest this week. Thank you, Todd, for allowing
1: me to share what God is doing.
0: Our guest today has been Dr. Hormoz Shariat, and I do hope that you'll take the time this week to pray specifically for Iran in the ways that he's described. Dr. Hormoz has been on Voice of the Martyrs Radio before. You can hear those past episodes at our website, vomradio.net, or via your favorite podcast service, And while I have you, let me encourage you, would you take a few moments and leave a rating or a comment about VOM Radio on the podcast app or service where you're listening now? Positive ratings and comments help us to reach new listeners with the stories of our persecuted family members and those ministering inside hostile and restricted nations. So if you would, please just take a few moments and rate VOM Radio on your favorite podcast service. You know, Afghanistan has been a place of a lot of conflict and war over the last decades. But next week, we're going to hear a different kind of story from Afghanistan. Come back next week to hear a love story from Afghanistan. Right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.